0: On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if a Negan backstory is just what this season of The Walking Dead needed, if Jared Leto is just what Zack Snyder's Justice League needed, and if David Brody from Walkers and Talkers podcast is exactly what Mike needed. All of that and more on an all new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this episode, which means it's my job to lead you through all of this TV. But I get overwhelmed sometimes. I get a little scared, just like all of you guys. So um, I'm here to hold your hand, holding my hand as my friends, Mike and Ryan. Let me introduce Mike first. How's it going, Mike?
1: It's going good. It's uh, live-action every live action TV show based on comic book or comic book property or cartoons based on comic books, whenever the fuck we feel like it. Apparently
0: yeah, we really,
1: we didn't mention that last week that we're doing invincible now. Yeah. We know other cartoons have come out since we've done this. We didn't feel like doing those. Stop writing. This as mean emails. Dick. Yeah,
0: I'm glad that you did bring light to it because I, we just let it slip right by. I didn't think people would notice, but boy, did they notice they were so mad that yeah, we, they noticed. We, we always claim every live action and they were like, excuse me, like <laughs> there is a cartoon here. And we are covering.
1: We thought they were actors. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> we get so confused by it. Like, they're just so realistic. But yes, thank you. That's why you're here, Mike. You're here to, like, really set us on course, correct all the wrongs. Um, you're here to handle the yeah. Twitter anger. So thank you. F- I'm the voice of the fans.
1: Yeah. And I'm sorry for that.
0: <laughs> and being just the voice of himself and so loud, that's, of course, Ryan. How's it going, Ryan?
2: Well, I mean, if you guys would permit me, I would like to, for once, be the voice of the fans
0: was that are they a boat was that a blowhole?
2: that's no, like, a fan it's like a fan i'm like the, i'm the voice of a fan
0: mike he, that's what i need to
1: fall asleep legit <laughs> it's just a recording of ryan doing his fan impression 10 hours straight and
0: that's how close to your guys's bond is your guys' bond is so close that like mike you always get to get his jokes and it makes it where i don't know if my mind is broken or your mind is broken and i just
1: oh cassie i don't think your mind is broken <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys are so. Anyway, I
2: I do want to shout out to the people who uh, sent in the email, uh, Cassie. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you read most of the emails. Mm-hmm. Most of the emails are like, um, "Hey, Cassie, here are the nine things that you fucked up in the intro. Mm-hmm. You do com- you do cartoons that you didn't say that, or I'm sorry, animation because cartoon is for children. Um, don't know how the rest of the show went. I stopped listening after the intro, like I do every week. Bye. And that's most of our fans, is they put in five minutes of work. Uh, five minutes of listening an hour of work detailing all the mistakes mm-hmm. and then they just turn the podcast off
0: yeah and that is how most of them go but they always do end it politely with just a bye like a I'll yeah. see you next yeah. week bye bye so yeah. like <laughs> bye. we get them for these intros and so we gotta nail it in these intros and like as of right now I don't know if we're fully nailing it but we'll see in the uh,
2: well, I had that voice of the fans thing, mm-hmm. so that, good. that was pretty good. good
1: we at least know one moment of the intro will be untouchable. Yeah.
0: There's at least one moment where it's not directed at me, so I'll take that. It's going to be like, in a minute, one thirty. Ryan made a fan noise, didn't make it, didn't like it.
1: And per- I think our fan Gary uh, will be upset because he be like, were you guys making fun mm. of my voice? <laughs>
2: He's a fan fan. Uh, Mike, please stop uh, naming your appliances, and why are they always named Gary? Yeah. And why are you writing emails under the guise of them?
1: I just have an improv wall, and it just says Gary. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So
2: I need to... (laughs) All right, let me get a suggestion from the wall. Okay, Gary. Gary
0: again. Oh, and it looks like everybody wants Gary again? I guess I'll bring Gary. Okay. Uh, Mike, but you do have somebody that you brought on. It's not Gary, but I've heard you have a guest for this episode, or a guest segment at least. I...
1: I do. At a certain point, I kick you guys out of the studio and hopped on with... It, this is the first time we've talked about this, right? This is, this is a new segment
0: burr, 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 hey,
1: that we're doing on the superhero Show show. Uh, we are going to be interviewing other podcast artist, nerd folk type people. Uh, and I got to sit down with David Brody, one of the two hosts of the Walkers and Talkers podcast. Uh, Which one is so he? He's, he? Oh, <laughs> he's a talker because oh. what you're going to hear... Is a 17 minute cut of the interview. If you want to go over to patreon.com slash your pop filter and hear the forty-five minute cut, uh, you can do that. And it is great. It's a great, it's a great show, but when I said we're gonna be here for ten to fifteen minutes, uh we're gonna end all of us uh our interviews with a speed round. And legit, this speed round is twenty-five minutes long. A proper speed because round. uh there's just a lot of uh stories behind every answer. Uh that's not what you'll be hearing. You'll be hearing the cut like one word. Answer to each of them, but if you want to hear the story behind his childhood, his childhood uh, fictional crush, go over to the Patreon. But it's walkers and talkers. They they are still fans, David and Jamie, of The Walking Dead. We get into that a lot of like how they got into the show in general and why they're still fans. Uh, I don't know if the first interview we play should have an awkward moment of somebody being like, "Well, yeah, I dedicate my life to do this," and me being like, "Well, uh, I don't like the thing you do." <laughs> I think that's <laughs> well. I like their show. I don't like. Your their, life. But they've dedicated their shit their life. Uh, but yeah, so just all of David's plugs right now. Obviously, you're going to hear the interview later. You should hear the longer version. But uh, go check out the nationally syndicated Elvis Duran in the Morning Show that he works on, uh, the Brooklyn Boys podcast, and Walkers and Talkers. Follow him at David Brody or at Walkers underscore Talkers on Twitter and Instagram.
2: I do want to say, too, to all fans of Walkers and Talkers that are tuning in, uh, and also to David and Jamie, that uh, voice of the fans thing was just to save Cassie like from getting emails and so they attacked me. That's not like a real thing that we that's not the type of thing we do on this show. No, we're <laughs> No, this,
1: that's not the kind of show this, this is real high. No. Normally Ryan's very professional wearing a suit and yeah, tie. Yeah,
0: just the most highbrow comedy, very sophisticated, like points brought up, very in-depth interviews. It's always the best. Um we'll we'll display that later on in the show though, because we're gonna we're finally wrapping up Justice League. We're on our part four of it, talking about the epic lo- epilogue. And then for the main event, the epic epilogue. epilogue. But for the main event, we'll be talking about the finale of The Walking Dead. But first, Justice League. After last week's final shot of the seven members of the Justice League standing in a row for an hour and a half, we're left with nothing but 30 more minutes of an epilogue. Lex Luthor has escaped Arkham and recruits Deathstroke. The Joker hangs out in what it what is known as the Nightmare Future. And Martian Manhunter introduces himself to Bruce Wayne. Since we've begun watching the movie, this movie, Warner Brothers has gone from saying this is the end of the Snyderverse to canceling Ava DuVernay's New Gods and greenlighting Justice League 2 and 3. Do any of these epis What? Get- <laughs> yeah. So, do any to be filmed epies- back to back? What? A, oh, what I didn't a- know that. <laughs> Prepare yourself. But I want to know: Do any of these epis get you excited for more Justice League? Mike, I could tell ah. by your your reaction—you're so excited. <laughs> I had heard about the
1: Ava, uh, Ava DuVernay's New Gods getting canceled and I was like, idiots. I did not hear that it was to make money and room for Justice League's two and three.
2: There was another one that got canceled. Something else a little fringier. I can't remember right yeah. now. But uh, also, you can make them all. But yeah. I think that what they're doing is... they What DC did for a little bit was, well, shit, we, this is not successful. Justice League is not successful. But Wonder Woman is... And so we can't do a hard reboot because then we lose mm-hmm. Gal Gadot. So what we'll do is, we'll say, everybody make movies however they want, you know. And sh- what a good plan. And Shazam-, <laughs> Shazam can exist in the Wonder Woman universe, but maybe um, Robert Pattinson's Batman will be different. And we'll just do whatever we want. And then after HBO Max was forced to release the Snyder Cut by. Uh, probably like 100 or 200 trolls and that's it yeah uh, creating
1: more bots so it seems like millions
2: uh then they were like okay now we're back uh we're gonna figure out what we're to do with robert Battenson's bat matt reeves is batman and now the snyderverse is back the fuck on
1: they they need to learn how to look at i look look old fucks who run hbo and warner brothers i know that digital streaming it's all hard but you need to look at analytics because i did uh 2021. We're also in quarantine. You would think a bunch of people watched it. It's the third most watched thing release of 2021. That doesn't seem big enough for me
0: for to what? restore the
1: Snyderverse. Yeah, well, and but, uh,
0: how much it was hyped too. Like everybody, like it just became like this big thing and that everybody was talking about. But then nobody wanted to see it.
1: Seventy like. percent of people who have started it have not finished it. <laughs> that is also data that was released.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Um, uh, I didn't know you it was said sorry, AM. Cassie.
2: You said not the top three of. 2021 yeah because i know 2020 it's, had a ton of huge things but you said this current year that we're in
1: it's only yeah it's 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 number three of 2021 what is even, above it
0: i don't, I, even I don't remember that. Out, like besides this like i can't think of what can beat it besides like coco melon it's always at the top Pu- of netflix
1: <laughs> puppet master 18 probably Do you know what's weird it's hbo uh, doesn't have a lot of good movies you guys i was <laughs> scrolling through the other day it's bad <laughs> hbo max yeah
2: has all the movies that's not, I mean, we're, they make a bad decision or two every once in a while, but if, you, if you're if you a movie fan who is going to get a main streaming service, HBO Max is the one to go to.
1: Well, explain why I watched Blade Trinity last night on HBO Max, Ryan, if they have good movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no, I,
2: there's no explanation for that, Mike. <laughs> I'm going to say Abusive Childhood. <laughs>
0: All right, you guys, we came here to talk about the Snyder Cut, though. I know we'd rather talk about HBO, but we do got to get into the Snyder Cut. And this one starts off with the epilogue. I want to call it it starts off with daddy time because it's kind of everybody just meeting up or resolving issues with their daddies or going to meet said daddies because we get Cyborg listening to his tape, uh, Aquaman's off going to see his dad. Like there's just a lot of resolution with daddies. And I don't know why that was the choice, but it happened.
2: Well, I mean, like, the thing that separates you from being a villain and a hero, and this is the case in comic book movies and in real life, is did you have a good relationship with your dad? So all the heroes have to run home and be like, Dad! I don't want to be a villain. I don't want to be a villain. Dad, please give me a hug. And they're like, fine, I'll hug you.
1: (sighs) Unless you're Barry Allen's dad, which is give up on your dreams, never see me again,
2: go away. By the way, guys, I'm a huge... I think all of us celebrate the, the cruds, right? We're all Billy Crudup fans. Um, yes. i think that he has been replaced in the snyderverse he will no longer be flash's dad uh, i think he'll, his dad's gonna be played by grant gustin but billy crudup who is i would say a nearly perfect actor his reaction to his son going to like getting a job or going to school the guy has a fucking mental breakdown like becomes <laughs> hysterical and starts laughing and crying and pulling his hair out i just kept thinking maybe arkham is a Better place for <laughs> Flash's
1: dad? Yeah. Are we sure he didn't kill Flash's mom with that kind of reaction to, I got a job?
0: He got <laughs> his foot in <at> the door. <laughs> he, this did, he like, it. Like... It did make it seem like he didn't have, like, nobody else was in the room. You know, he kept saying, like, my boy got a job or whatever. And I was like, he's talking to people in his head. Nobody is really cheering Yeah, nobody there. is there. <laughs> nobody cares it, about it, this. It.
2: Except for, like, prison workers who are going to beat the shit out of him for saying words.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, man. So that's a brief moment. And then another brief moment is we do get um, Lex Luthor breaking out of Arkham and meeting Deathstroke, Mm -hmm. which I don't know. Is this leading up to another thing or was this just... It
1: it was going to lead up to Ben Affleck's The Batman before Mm -hmm. it became Matt Reeves' The Batman. Deathstroke was going to be the main villain. Uh, I like the character of Deathstroke and... Uh, because I'm a red-blooded American, uh, want to jump Joe Mangeliano's bones. So <laughs> I, he was my favorite part of the four-and-a-half-hour movie just because I like seeing this guy on my screen. And, but...
0: and not a single moment of slow-mo for him, which is big. No.
1: That's huge. He moved human speed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not not force speed or whatever.
2: This is, was... this is the part that I do remember from Joss Whedon's Justice League, though, right?
1: Different dialogue. Different. This is what a petty fuck Snyder is. Is it's it's different dialogue. Wait, than the Joss Whedon.
2: One. Did they bring them back to refilm different lines, or did they just dub? I would have loved but, some classic like just, kung fu just, dubbing. <laughs>
1: terrible. Dubbing. I, I, I I think reading more into it is also. It's not just that Zack Snyder is a petty fuck. Is that Whedon when he got brought in was a petty fuck. He reshot a bunch of stuff. Yeah, scenes that Snyder had shot with his own Whedon esque, uh, which I think is abusive towards women verbally. Is what that's what we learned means. Uh, new dialogue so he shot honey I'm not
2: beating you I'm being (laughs) Whedon-esque
0: but now now we get into the meat of it so after these two little brief moments is when we get into is this like an alternate universe that we get
1: we're not to the alternate universe yet we still have a third epilogue because he wrote five and went I'll use them all (laughs) uh Bruce and Martian Manhunter meeting just being like hey bro that uh, is, no, that's
2: the one at the very end. but very end. That's
1: at the very end? They oh, shit. But it, it's I'm probably sorry, the least
2: important, so let's get through let's this go. first. Uh, first of all, I do want to... Uh, I was at my fantasy baseball draft the other day. Nerd! And, yes, Mike, co-host of a podcast about comic book television. I am the nerd. Um... Uh, we brought up the name Albert Pujols and how when you're a uh, baseball fan, that seems commonplace. But if you don't know anything about ba- baseball, that is the most insane fucking name of all time. Uh-huh. Albert Pujols. His last name is Pujols. Uh, th- <laughs> that means butthole. <laughs> Albert is Spanish for butthole. So his name is, his name is Butthole Pujols. Uh, Martian Manhunter has this same thing going because if you've been in comics for a long time, his human name is not that big of a deal. Uh, John Jones. But his if you if this is like your first time with Martian Manhunter, which of his names are more stupid? Martian Manhunter (laughs) or John Johns? Hello, I'm Mr. Johns. You can call me John. My name is John Johns.
1: I think that one is less dumb and modern, like the in the cartooniverse, they have wisely just called him John through everything. (laughs) They've kind of dropped Martian Manhunter. They're just like, it's John. And normally I'm like, fuck it, embrace the silliness. That is a dumbass name. Especially. I'm introducing myself to a paranoid schizophrenic billionaire who secretly runs the world as a Batman. Uh, I'm not gonna be like, you can also call me Martian Manhunter, because at that point Bruce should be like, motherfucker, what? Who do you hunt? And <laughs> pull out his bat gun.
0: Yeah, they hit it so <laughs> intensely too. Like it's a big moment. Like he floats up as he says like Martian Manhunter, and then goes away. It's such a serious moment for him to be like, you call me Martian Manhunter, and I'm like, oh no, no, no.
1: Won't do it. No,
0: simply no. But it was a weird epilogue moment because it seemed like they they really brought home that it gave a reason for Batman being there. They were like, you brought the team together. Like, I never thought I'd see him united, but you brought the team together. And I was like, come on, bro. He didn't do that much.
2: (laughs) But I mean, that is sort of what we talked about last week is that if if Batman is going to serve this place, then maybe it's better if he does become the Oracle of the team and Mm -hmm. hang out and
1: watchtower the floating satellite they own.
2: Right. And unfortunately that probably, you know, gets fans less bonered up, but that does make more sense for him as a leader, as a human, as a, like in a world and Martian man in a world and Martian Manhunter being on the team makes way more sense because he is like most comic book, most DC stories, whether it's in comics, cartoons or TV, uh, Martian Manhunter is comparable to Superman, and can yeah. also shapeshift. He's he's kind of a badass. If it wasn't for also- his competing terrible <laughs> names,
0: <laughs> it's so so wild. Oh, uh, but yeah. So there's that, and then we get into this post like apocalyptic. Mike, was it you had an answer for if it was an alternate universe or?
2: Wait, sorry guys. Before we get to that, I, I I, I want to ask you guys one more thing. Could you tell that this was filmed at a different point because Ben Affleck. Bruce Wayne, through most of the movie, is kind of beefy, and this looked like just started chemo Ben Affleck. Like, this was a head on a stick. Did you notice that? No, I he, didn't notice that. He was so much thinner than before.
0: He was, yeah, this was like, can't hold Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Yeah, he, there was. there's, there's not
2: been Dunkin' for a while.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's why they put him in, like, sleep clothes. They, like, just made him, like, look, it's sleepy Batman. That's why he's not beefy. He's sleepy.
2: And what they did was instead of giving him the clothes for one person it looked like the pajamas for three people and he was just dragging <laughs> those clothes around.
1: Go to patreon.com slash your filter for that to make sense. Ah oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no that's a good commercial. Uh, so Nightmare is that what we're talking about? K- Nightmare? Nightmare. It is so it's so clear that Zack Snyder only thinks – that he thinks of Superman like Lex Luthor does. I think we talked about this last week. Uh, And it's so weird for this whole four-and-a-half-hour opus to be like, no, he's one of us. And two and three will be like, nope, he was the villain all along. How many times can you make this guy the villain? In literally every movie, Snyder's like, but shouldn't we be afraid? Uh, So this is what happens – uh, in the alternate universe or f- the f- the future, they they're trying to stop from happening is Lois dies somehow, mm-hmm. and Superman loses his shit and becomes a tyrant, and so this group of people, which is it who is it's it's Mira, uh, Deathstroke Batman, again, Deathstroke again, now with a mohawk, uh,
2: <laughs>
0: the Flash in a suit because he's just a man still, so they put the him Flash
1: in their- a suit and a mustache, yes,
0: <laughs> uh, and Batman uh, uh, and
2: again Flash is just character. a man. He's not a hero. <laughs> uh,
1: and they, 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 this is the new team. And to be honest, I would rather watch, not, not four hours, but this group of people is fucking weird and nobody knows how to talk anymore and I would watch this movie way easier than what we just watched. Well, yeah.
2: Bruce, Bruce Wayne and Batman have stopped trying to act like those two characters and he's just like, two jokers, he's like, I'll fucking kill you. I, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill you, I swear to God. <laughs> And that is more interesting. As far as, like, the Snyder version of Superman, it's weird because, you know, I do think that Superman is a good character. It took me a long time to think that, you know? I used to have the cliche bit about, well, he's got all the powers, so how is that interesting? I do think that the the battle between Clark and Cal is, I think, interesting. And there's a ton of takes on it, you know, whether it's, you know, Richard Donner's or Bruce Timm's or uh, Greg Berlanti's or whoever we're talking about. And Snyder's is... Much like Lex's, you know, yeah, I, I I do get that that like Snyder's not going to back down, and it, it it's not that Superman is boring; it's that he's a danger. For some reason, F- Flash and Cyborg and Batman are not dangerous, but Superman is, and that's the uh, that's the tact that Snyder's taking. I have a problem with the storytelling here, and I have a problem with my wife who watched every minute of this movie with me, screaming, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> How is there no transitions?" And sure, yeah. at some point we do get Batman or Bruce Wayne waking up. And it being a dream or <coughs> It was all a dream. <laughs> I used to read Zack Snyder magazine, which is a weird magazine. But I, uh, I get that, but th- like to go from Lex and uh Wade. Slade. Slade, I'm so sorry, I almost called him Wade Wilson. Uh Slade Wilson on the boat <laughs> to this nightmare scenario, uh it's it's more confusing for viewers mm-hmm. than like entertaining, I think.
0: Yeah. Yes. I was watching it and I was like this is incomprehensible. We are just all over the place. It was it was wild.
2: And in the meantime you're thinking why isn't this over?
0: Just be <laughs> yes, yes. over.
1: This is the f- fourth part of a five-part epilogue.
0: <laughs> we didn't need this. But I do want to talk this is the this is when we get the Joker and I want to know how you feel about uh, this like Snyder's Joker, this version of Joker.
2: Did you see it, Suicide Squad, Cassie? Uh
0: I did see. Yes.
2: Okay, I did not. So this is my first This is an upgrade. In the Letoverse.
0: I'd say
1: this is an upgrade. Uh, I'm not saying it's good. That this time he decided to, before he was trying to be the dude from Die Antward, uh, I think that that was his damaged uh, Suicide Squad Joker. This, it really felt like him trying to be Jim Carrey when Jim Carrey started to be, like number 23 Jim Carrey, Mm, where he's trying to be serious, but still has some of his Carrey quirks, that this whole vibe... That's that. That's what this gave me.
0: Yeah, that's that. Seems very fitting. It was still like I. There's something about just seeing seeing the Joker character and then also knowing Jared Leto and how he is with it. Like as soon as he's on screen, it's hard to not just immediately roll your eyes. But I was trying to like really be like just experience this one, and I still didn't like him. I tried to like put biases aside, still didn't like it.
2: I I think that's so much of it to me is that I don't know if I'm as good at, as Cassie is putting the biases aside, like to imagine and like uh, Leto shot this in his backyard like through Zoom because yeah. it was during the pandemic and just to me just watching this imagining a conversation between Zack Snyder and Jared Leto makes my f- like <laughs> flames 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 <laughs> uh, like that the douchey this level of that conversation is uncontrollable mm-hmm. and uh like you could just feel it all and you uh, but, which means that uh, I can never like sort of escape into the movie, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just green screen pandemic douche bullshit.
1: (laughs) And you could hear them high-fiving each other after Leto (laughs) ad-libbed, I want to give Batman a reach around. And they're just like, that's so crazy, Joker.
0: (laughs) But we also did not get, that we did not get, we don't live in a society in this one. I remember everybody freaking out. We do not live in a society. And that was just a cut, just to get people hyped? I don't know what that was for. Yeah. It
1: was... To, I think he filmed that to prove he filmed one sentence to prove that there is a cutting room floor. I didn't just shove everything I filmed in this movie. Look,
2: look at this strip of film. I didn't use this part,
0: <laughs> but yeah, so that that ends it. We get that interaction and it ends um with just uh, just that cliffhanger with incomprehensible cliffhanger uh are you guys like i'm I'm ready to I, say goodbye. I can't to this. believe <laughs> this is uh oh, um, man I, I mean like, say goodbye.
2: We've talked about for a month how this is a double whammy for us. Not only do we have to watch Justice League, but we're not watching X Men the animated series. Uh, I cannot wait get, to get back to that uh, non live action, not right. for adults cartoon. Yeah, everything that Cassie says in the intro is bullshit. Like, <laughs> yeah, we do whatever we want to do. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, the Snyder, the JL2 and JL3 for me is going to be heavily dependent on, I mean, the next Marvel movie to come out after Black Widow is going to be directed by Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Uh, does DC have the capability to hire uh, great storytellers, which Zack which Snyder is not, uh, to tell these stories and then leave them alone to tell their stories and not bury them in the mythos that they also have to tell at the same time? And there's no. just no evidence for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not looking forward to it. I am excited to say goodbye to this. So that's all the time we have to talk about it. We're wrapping it up. And next, it's time for our main event, which is The Walking Dead. Uh on the 10th season finale of the walking dead it's the all singing all dancing negan special as we enter into a russian doll of negan's past shooting through about 45 flashbacks in 44 minutes we fly all the way back to negan recently getting fired from his job as of course a high school gym teacher we also hang out with him and his wife, Lucille, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real wife, Hillary Burton, as she discovers he's sleeping with her sister, buying leather jackets, singing You Are So Beautiful To Me, <laughs> administering chemo and reading her boring books. Taste buds, I ask you this. How do you think the real-life married couple portrayed the on-screen married couple?
1: I didn't know they were really married. <laughs> uh, they, The two of them... When they're not singing, when they're not montaging to him singing You Are So Beautiful, they probably were the best part of this episode. Are you talking
2: about wig montage?
1: Wig montage was delightful, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, that part was very good. That's where you felt like their chemistry, for sure. I could have done, like you mentioned, You Are So Beautiful To Me, when they weren't singing it, which is about like 10 minutes of this. They sang it so <laughs> much to each other.
2: I thought the weirdest version of that song, though, was when, if I could jump to the end... Uh Lucille was she became a zombie and still she was like you are so beautiful to me (laughs) that part didn't hit as well uh there was a part early on where she she's written different or she's her performance is different here you know and I didn't know before I started that they were married in real life but uh (sighs) he's reading a book and has a foot her foot on his lap like massaging it which I guess is what husbands do to wives but
1: Ryan hates feet. That's that's (laughs) revolting.
2: Um, And he's like, this book sucks. And she kicks the book and she's like, "Uh, keep reading. And it's not that she's being a bitch. It's that she's being written differently than most female characters on shows like this. And I think that comes from two people who are very comfortable together. I think there's Mm -hmm. a comfortability here that Mm -hmm. we wouldn't typically get with, like, the walking dead is not the wire, you know, like, Although they cast From the Wire, their casting skills are not as good. The chemistry is not a concern with The Walking yeah. Dead. And I think it's here much more than other pairings of the show.
1: And, and I remember being bummed when Jeffrey Dean Morgan got cast because I like him. And I will say this episode reminded me why I like him. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, oh, you can act. You're not just smarm in a leather jacket, which is also what she was mad about. That's what he wanted to be. (laughs) Um, Is like when he cried, it didn't feel that fake. Like Mm -hmm. probably because he was really picturing his real wife who was really in front of him, really dead. (laughs) Like uh, I I thought Negan, the nuances of Negan, he pulled off very well.
0: It felt like, so this whole thing, I was assuming, like, because this Negan character has become, like, a, such a monster in the show that he needed a little bit of redemption. And, like, that was, like, their chemistry was the only thing, like, saving it for me. Because it was pretty, like, it's a long backstory to this one character of just, like, just seeing, like, what he all went through. Like, it's very drawn out. And the only thing were those moments where, like, he connected with her that, like, kept it going, really.
2: I will say this, though. I... <laughs> Negan's, like, getting the backstory, getting the origin story, and humanizing characters will always help, you know, like, nuance the evil. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing, the three of us, because we're not regular watchers of the show, not, like, David and Jamie of Walkers and Talkers, who, Mike, I believe you're going to talk to at the end of this episode?
1: Yes, you'll hear that interview later.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so, w- like, what they're doing for regular watchers is they're showing this pre-Negan, this pre Negan. Uh, up against who Negan currently is on the show, and that leap to me makes sense. But the leap from this old Negan that we see as like the high school gym teacher to the peak Negan that we saw when he was the ultimate villain—that's a lot. That's a yeah. that's a jump that the show, no show, is a, like would be able to like surmount that.
1: It's especially because he, she kills herself Negan. and 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 says, "Go do your own thing now." and his, he's like, oh, I shouldn't be a weak, weak man. I should, and he defends the doctor and the doctor's daughter who helped him out. It looks like now he'll just be like the Punisher of the mm-hmm. Walking Dead world. It, Negan, at the end of the episode, there's still like 18 more episodes we would need for it to make sense for what, right. how we first met him. And also, it's weird to do this kind of episode four years after meeting the character Negan. This would be like, right. oh, you think he's this big, bad, scary guy. Let's flash back. Like, it's so weird to add this now.
0: Not only, Re- not only now, but as a finale, felt like a really weird choice. Like there was nothing yeah. for the story-wise, really. Just that, like he's back at the camp at the end, and that's like that's what's going to bring you back to next season. And I was smarmy,
1: like, what? <laughs> he, he's like, wait, I went through some soul searching, and I'm going to smirk at Maggie. Yeah. What I've remembered <laughs> is I should be a prick. Yeah.
2: Well, how did like? I guess we now know from Mike, but I'll ask you, Cassie, how did that the the last minute where he comes back? He he basically Carol. Uh, shows him to a cabin in the woods and says, "Look, man, it's not gonna work out. I'm still fucking Carol. I'm dope as shit, so I'm gonna hook you up with this place. But, I mean, Maggie's back. You killed the guy from Minari. This is this is not gonna work out. Uh, and then at the end, he burns Lucille, uh, his bat, which mm-hmm. you know is a, is gonna be a lot more cathartic for him than anybody else. No one else is gonna give a shit about that. And yeah. and he comes back and he is uh, walking back into Walking Deadville." And looks at Maggie and smiles. And did we learn nothing? Like, is this a smirk of pure yeah. anger or cockiness or a knowingness? Like, what is this smile?
1: It, it's either he wants her to kill him.
2: And, like, this is his
1: making. Is it or suicidal? I think the show feels like, see, he's gone through a journey. But if he really went through one, he would walk up to her and start talking. And mm-hmm. not just, because no matter what his smile means, she's going to read it as the (laughs) big fuckiest (laughs) angry like you can't control me
0: but it should be read like that because of the music choice they put with his fucking smirk like i'm so confused as this like this was supposed to be like i took it once we were getting his backstory they tried to humanize him i took this as like it's supposed to be a redemption thing and it kept going up and down with like as if like he we should redeem him or not because like even when he like So his backstory of, like, why he got fired as a gym teacher is, like, he got, he, they kept saying, like, he beat up a guy. And then the wife, Lucille, was like, yeah, but that dude, like, deserved it. That was a prick. And it turns out it was because he was talking over their song. So, like, that wasn't even a redemption. Like, at no point, every time there should (laughs) have been a redemption, like, I would have thought he, like, assaulted his wife. Like, in that part, would have been a redemption. But not,
2: not just, uh, like, assaulted this guy for talking over a song
0: at a bar, at Mm -hmm. a
2: bar. But uh, then Lucille, his wife, the non-bat, uh, had to then pay all the medical bills for the guy because uh, Negan didn't have a job, and so yeah. she, it, so she's basically paying medical bills up until the point where she finds out she's gonna have medical bills of his own. Meanwhile, he's in the basement, uh,
1: screwing her sister,
2: screwing her sister, <laughs> which somehow is, I, I guess, way worse than what I was about to say. Uh, screaming like calling little kids uh pussies pussies (laughs) while playing video games
1: yeah really all it did was like oh he was always a loser Mm -hmm. that's that's what the and and like if the show if you felt like the show was like he is human but he's a loser but it does feel like the show's like see aren't we all human (laughs) and but like it doesn't pull off my favorite part is because there's 80 flashbacks is the drug dealer we flash to one of the middle times. And the drug dealer is like, I asked you where you got the chemo drugs, and you've just told me one pointless story after another. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Okay.
2: Uh, let's let's take a break and let's go to uh, our favorite corner screenwriting one oh one, where we discuss lines you definitely don't put in your screenplay, (laughs) which is one of the characters telling another character. Hey, you know those boring stories that all of the audience has been watching? I'm now going to call them boring. That's yeah. not a good idea, folks. Oh
1: wow! It, the, it was my favorite part. <laughs>
0: but. It was like a it was like a yes moment, and then they ruined it later. Once he like you know he turns on them, starts like beating them up, and he ties that guy back up, and he's like, and now you're going to hear more of my stories, and you're going to want to <laughs> he said when I stop talking. I'm like, come on, Joe, what are we doing here? It's I would have loved
2: though if, if he had said, uh, and now not only are you going to listen because. I'm going to kill you afterwards. But also, I took your notes. You know, good notes. I appreciate it. I'm, di- I'm now going to start telling stories better. And I really appreciate all of your advice.
1: I went. I listened to a few moths. Uh, I do like that this shows that Negan obviously is like an OTT extra bitch. Because every time he's like, it's time for me to make a life change, he burns something important. So evil Negan was born when he burned his house and his ex-wife's or his dead wife's body and wrapped... Lucille the bat in barbed wire, and now that he wants to be peaceful, Negan, he burns that bat. So, just every time his life decision, what am I burning today?
0: <laughs> who, who is this Negan and what can I burn? It was like it seemed like this big moment. You cared, you talked, Ryan, about how like nobody else cared about burning the bat. But do you think fans of the show, like, was that a big moment? Like, is the bat, are they super connected to the bat? Like, was it okay? Supposed so, to be. <laughs>
2: I did a little bit of internet diving into... Because we haven't focused on The Walking Dead in a while. And I feel like that every time we focus on the franchise, it's like... it is. It happens to just be these one-offs. You know, sort of like this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it focuses on one character. And I, we haven't talked about Negan in years. And so when I was on the internet, just th- like trying to figure out what has happened between now and the last time we watched the show, uh, I had no idea. But people mother... Fucking hate Negan, and no. I was trying to, I was trying to put the pieces together, and I was trying to figure out: do they hate him because, like, in the way that they're supposed to, like in the way that people hate John Walker from Falcon and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. right? But they think that they hate him, even though that's exactly how they're supposed to feel. Um, or do they hate him because he's just this like a straight up bad character? It's like the jo- Joffrey conundrum from Game right. of Thrones. Um, and it sounds like it's a lot based on Stephen Young. It's a lot based uh-huh. on they killed. Glenn? The, Glenn they kill. he killed Glenn and that was a big deal but also on a show like this they just want him to be executed and they want to feel mm-hmm. like that shit in their chest of like haha he's dead this is they how they don't world think should justice start. is gray right exactly uh unlike hbo max does which next week i do, should we tell everybody now that we're going to rewatch rest- justice Le- zack Snyder's justice league but the black and white version God, how's
1: no. it with even less color
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Negan is one of the most hated characters in Walking Dead fandom, and I I don't think that there was anything this episode could do to like turn that around.
1: No, yeah. it 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 was like an actor's showcase for JDM, but it's not gonna. And that's uh in the, in the I it was don't for his reel. on this show. David Brody also he's like that's when the show got bad. I think. It got bad years before he showed up, but he says it's picking up now, so I wonder if they're focusing less on Negan, but he thinks Negan was the the death knell of the show for a while.
2: It's picking up now. The autobiography of Walking Dead fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: they just keep convincing them at season 10, it's going to get but good they, again.
1: They all have a different point of when they think it got bad and when it started to get good again, and they're all wrong.
0: <laughs> you know
2: what, Mike? <laughs> it was a bad idea to put... David's interview on this episode. <laughs> At the end of this episode, that no, still- I,
1: it's a rebuttal. It's a rebuttal. He 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 makes pretty good arguments, and maybe I didn't edit them out uh, <laughs> the, 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 of why he still enjoys the show.
2: I, okay, so if you're listening, if you're still listening, Walking to Talking fans, I will say this: I uh, I sort of measure Walking Dead episodes in a way that I don't really. You shouldn't measure any sort of art, which is uh, I count phone checks. I really do like. I mm-hmm. really see because. Walking Dead can get so in its own weeds and talky and boring, uh, more walky less talky, that or the other way around. That I do look at my phone a lot more than I would like as a right. one of television's premier critics. And uh, I didn't do that in this episode. Like there was a lot that bothered me. the mm-hmm. The Russian doll storytelling I don't think was as effective as they thought it would be. But I was compelled to go from each scene to the next in a way that isn't typical for me.
1: Well, that, that's it made me think of our famously Superhero Show Show's favorite joint episode of The Walking Dead, past the pilot, uh, is the Morgan and Drew Carey's brother episode. <laughs> and, and someday <laughs> we will learn that guy's name. <laughs> I mean, if only there was some sort of movie database for international actors and films that we could look up. I
2: just looked it up. It's the guy who we think is the Zodiac Killer in Zodiac. That's his oh, actual the, yeah, name, the, yeah.
1: The Zodiac Killer uh, teaches Morgan the bow Staff, and that is our favorite episode. I think many people think that episode was boring and dumb because they are boring and dumb. Uh, but this did give me those notes, because it is focusing on that, and it's not people spouting their life philosophies at each other. Uh, and like we said, there was chemistry, which the show normally seems to go out of its way to get rid of. Uh, and had that like early Carol thing. By, by the time Weak Negan, Weegan, became like the Punisher Negan, it had that release.
2: It had that, like, oh shit, you're fucking shit up, and I didn't think you could. Uh <laughs> But that's interesting, though, because instead of, like, you know, uh, sort of redeeming the Negan character, instead of doing that, what they said is, what if we just get him, get them to root for him? Uh-huh. And then that will do the work for us. So when we want him to go back and save those doctors at the end and do something good, that's sort of in place of actual personality redemption.
1: Uh, all of it feels like, oh, shit. We cast too good of a charismatic actor in our villain and didn't want to get rid of him, and now we're really screwed. Mm-hmm. Because Carol called it. She's like, There is no way you could live in this town with Maggie here. It's also fucked up that they were all fine with him living in this town. Like he did not just Glenn and Abraham, those were the most gruesome, but he tortured them for a couple years, I think. The
2: like, fact that you two still let me on this podcast, despite what I've done to your guys' families, that's Yeah. I mean, that's insane.
1: The- pop of my sister's eye will always be in my head but i mean you're good on the show
0: (laughs) you're just so good uh but yeah that's that's all the time we have to talk about the walking dead next season if you want to come in we'll see how negan goes in the camp if he gets murdered by maggie i guess that's what's bringing you back um but in the meantime yeah mike or ryan
2: i would love if first scene first second uh next season maggie's like slit dead okay (laughs) why don't we just move on
0: that would be the best thing the show could do, and like one positive note that we we would be so excited about. Um, but in this meantime, I know people people might not like uh, Negan, but I, I feel like they gotta love that bat, and they they had to say goodbye to the bat. I don't think they got a proper goodbye, so I want to make a website that's in memoriam to Lucille the bat, not the person. And uh, it's just gonna be close ups. I'm gonna let people put up their own eulogies for this bat. And uh, I'm trying to get it started off the ground, but I'm having some troubles with like WordPress. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing.
2: Okay, before we, Mike, I feel like you have a lot of ideas for this website, but mm. Cassie, I'm just going to jump in on the 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 floor of this and say, not only are we going to dedicate this to Lucille the Bat, but also Jessica Walter just died. And if we could also have pictures of Lucille Bluth playing Bluth? Batman. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so to have that Lucille the Bat as well. So just all of the Lucille the Bats that we Lucille could possibly have on this yes. website. What could a website cost? $10? <laughs>
0: <laughs> At most, it feels like.
1: It will cost – Cassie, for something this important, and you want this to be taken seriously, You're you're – Zoom-ins on Lucille the Bat or Lucille the Bat and the star swipes to the next image (laughs) of Lucille the Bat. Uh, I think you really need – I don't know if you have the skill set to have, like, elegant design Mm -hmm. or, like, a digital strategy to really get this out in front of the people's eyeballs.
0: No, Mike, look at me. I don't. I simply don't.
1: But you don't have to do it alone. What if there was, like, a partner that was, like, really good at collaboration and, like, goal-driven design? Because so often you're like, well, this looks good. But does it look good to the robots who control how high you are in the Google rankings? That kind of shit. Matters.
0: It does. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. That's the partner I'm looking for, Mike.
1: Uh, there's no group of people who care more about Lucille, the Bat's website <laughs> that I know of than cybersprout.net. You're a partner for digital world, Cassie. I think that's who you should go get hooked up with.
0: All right. I'll reach out to them. They got an excellent tagline. I'm all about it. And I know, I know they're also as passionate about this, so they're going to help me out. I'm loving that. Oh, uh, be on the lookout for Lucille, the bat site.
1: Yeah, it actually is their tagline I said earlier, is what could a website cost, Michael? $10? Uh, It will be more than that, but it will be so much cheaper than what you think it will cost.
0: (laughs) So I'll check them out, cybersprout.net. Coming up next, it's time for our pull list. We are back, and it's time for the pull list, where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is Invincible.
1: In the third and fourth episodes of the animated show, Invincible, Omni-Man gives the eulogy at the Guardians Memorial. Damien Darkblood suspects he had a hand in the murders. Meanwhile, Cecil tasks Robot with reforming the Guardians of the Globe. Eve catches Rexplode with numerous duplicates, and Mark is on a mission to Mars. buds, I ask you this. Which mystery is more gripping? Why Robot helped the Mauler twins escape, or Cecil and co. sending Damien Darkblood back to hell despite knowing Nolan is the one who killed the Guardians?
2: this is a good question Mike and I'm glad the board gave it to you but before I answer I do want to point something out um, I think that this show actually does have a lot of problems I'm seeing people freak out about it and like it's so good and I don't think it's so good I think it's it's holding me barely but one of the things that they're doing great that I sort of really miss is this idea of um, episodes need to have like three or four mysteries and uh-huh. we move them forward a little bit. And, you know, it's like we always talk about BKV, Brian K. Vaughn, uh, as the, the king of the issue and how he mm-hmm. always knew how to write an issue. These episodes, and I've read every issue of Invincible. I know the answer to all these mysteries. And yet still, I think this thing that the show is doing best is sort of create like planting these seeds, creating yeah. these mysteries and inching forward on them. Not slowly, not quickly, but just a little bit every episode the to right keep me pace. going. Yeah.
1: And and there's so many players. So it's like, but who finds out when and what will that do? The mystery. So it's not like Mark finds out and then everything is real. Like there's so many. They, they, yeah, the, the intertwining is very good. And honestly, I don't remember Damien Darkblood from the comics at all.
2: I don't either. I,
1: and I love him.
2: Should we have looked that up? Do you know who it is?
1: Uh, he's a demon.
2: No, no, he's I mean, the, the voice.
1: Oh. <laughs> no, who is he?
2: Well, first of all, his name is Damien Darkblood. Uh huh. And Damien Dark is a different superhero show-show character who- uh, Oh, shit, who we love. Who uh, called and wished me a happy birthday one year. So. Wish you, yeah. No big deal. But uh, yeah, okay, so he was in the comic books. I'm just find- finding out. He was in eight issues of Invincible. Um, but I do not remember him at all. Uh, and he
1: is, like, second tier, I'd say, in the show so far. Like he, he, the Arguably the protagonist of the show so far, Mark is going through his own journey, and Damon is going through his own journey.
2: Oh, and the actor, the voice uh, voiceover is uh, Clancy Brown, who I know you would recognize. Yeah,
1: I like Clance.
2: Just a big, tall, big-headed guy with a deep voice. Um, yeah, and it's awesome how there's one person, there's a lot of people who suspect Nolan of shit, but there's uh-huh. one person who just knows, who just knows that, oh, what are you, a fucking douchebag white guy? All yeah. right.
1: But because of the way he looks, and because he's from hell... Nolan pulls the. Who do you think they'll believe uh, when they finally confront each other face to face? And Nolan does the like, "How dare you talk to my wife?" and does not take it to heart when Damien says, "How dare you have killed all the
2: guardians <laughs> of the globe?" <laughs> I mean, we could play this "how dare" game all day <laughs> long if you want to. But I think that the two things that the the mysteries have in common, you know, the thing that makes Mark's or what's going to make Mark's life so hard, what makes Peter Parker's life so hard, a lot of these people is that. uh You know, in order to, like, in the world that you're in, you have to deal with the Dr. Dooms and the Nick Furies. And there are times where Nick Fury looks as bad or worse than the Dr. Dooms, you know? And what do you do with that? Are they Mm -hmm. uh, the Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men, like, uh, taking every shortcut to keep the world safer? Is that keeping the world safer? And that's sort of where, not just who did what, but also where Mm -hmm. is Mark going to land? is just right. as good of a mystery.
1: And because he's, he's so young, and often that can come with the, I will not watch Zack Snyder's Justice is gray. Justice is only black and white.
2: Uh, oh, shit, Mike. I'm sorry. Uh Oh, my God. Hold on. Is Mark gr- black or white? We don't know because it's Nolan's son. It's Mark's gray son. We don't even know if he's black or white because he's gray, son. Did you just think of that right now?
1: I d- yeah, that, I thought of it and was put brilliant. it in your brain and it all landed perfectly. Uh how how do you feel they're juggling the the Peter Parker and the Spider-Man aspect where where Mark in these episodes also has a date with Amber and has to run away uh to deal with some stuff and then later he he's like, I'm going on a humanitarian mission because you used to, so I'll be back because he can't tell her he's going to Mars for two weeks.
2: I mean, I've talked about this before on the show, but my when I fell in love, I fell in love with Peter long before I fell in love with Spidey, and that was because uh Gwen's in this room, but uh, you know, the Mary's in, in this, this room. <laughs> the <vulture's> oh. in, <laughs> in this room. And so who should I go kiss? I don't know. <laughs> it just the, the whole Mrs. Doubtfire uh yes. going to change costumes in between uh restaurant that's tables. The dream. Um that's why I liked it. It's because it was uh it was Superman plus nine oh two one oh like it was uh-huh. that soapy aspect. And uh Robert Kirkman is very good at it uh invincible the comic was very good at it the show is getting there but the show seems in such a rush to do everything you know like like, if you take uh eve for example eve is like i hate rex oh rex is trying to uh get back together with me oh you know what i'm not gonna get back together with him oh i'm gonna fly to mark's house oh my god mark is hooking up with somebody else i i'm actually sort of excited in this binge world, this dog-eat-dog-binge world that we live in, to get to next week when we only have one episode of Invincible to talk about? Mm-hmm. Because I think even one episode of Invincible is too much to talk about.
1: Because they're just... stuff. Are, are they X-Men animated series in it? Are they just <laughs>
2: shove as much in as possible? Yeah, but uh, there's a couple things. One, it's not as fucking stupid. And two, uh, <laughs> X-Men is still only 18 minutes like they,
1: yeah that's true they claim
2: to be like 22 or 23 minutes that's bullshit do yeah. you understand how many commercials we watched in the early 90s because those episodes are 18 minutes long
1: what else are you going to pee or read your homework uh, I do like I, I like the Mahler twins I remember like them from the comic I like that they're the first characters in the show to get their own theme song every time they start doing stuff that run the jewel starts blasting yeah. in both these episodes fucking here for it <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, I, it's it's crazy how I I do think that the soundtrack is often put in awkwardly, but it, mm-hmm. it is as if I picked the soundtrack, so it's hard yeah. to hate. You know, <laughs> lots of uh, we got Vampire Weekend this this week, which is nice.
1: It's wow. cool when, and maybe because we're old, actually, because I was going to say it's cool when so often they're like, this is what the kids listen to, and you know they never would. I was gonna, I was about to say it's cool that they're putting in stuff kids will listen to. There's no way kids these days listen to fucking Run the Jewels and Vampire Weekend. We are so old and like those bands, and that's what we're saying. Damn it.
2: <laughs> uh, one thing Whoa. I want to talk to you about real quick. Real quick. Oh, shit. Cassie's going <laughs> to cut off. Shut up, Cassie. Uh...
0: <laughs> fine, fine. I'll get off.
2: It, one thing that I think they're doing amazingly is even if we didn't get the Guardians of the Globe uh, reveal at the end of the first episode, um, they're still sticking to the fact that Nolan is a subtle, normal prick. Mm-hmm. Just a bad husband and guy. Right. Like Even if he had no powers. I think he does focus on being a good dad, and we'll probably find out at some point that that's because he's training his son to take over the Earth, not because he gives a shit about him. But uh, the way that he talks to her is... Uh-huh as villainous as the things he says to the guardians of the globe uh, t- uh, by her i mean his wife uh, yeah. to the guardians of the globe before he murders them all
1: yeah he's a gaslighting suburban dad to debbie husband uh. i guess is what and we
2: debbie all know that because he has a
0: mustache uh. mustache always telling um ryan with your permission i will cut you off and wrap this up with moments <laughs> of the week uh i'll let you go first though do you got a moment of the week
2: yeah, Mike, you might have to help me out with this because I don't remember the exact words, but Rex and Samson are always sniping because uh-huh. uh, Samson had been in the Guardians before. And uh, Samson at one point threatens Rex by saying, uh, if you say that again, I'm going to beat the shit out of you so hard, you will be calling me daddy.
1: <laughs> it,
2: was, it was a move that <laughs> shut everybody in the room up. They were all just looked and they were like, oh my God, that was, that was pretty cool.
1: And it was that when Rex just responded, Well, I'll throw explosions at you. Like it was very like, oh, this kid is not up to par either fighting-wise or verbally.
0: <laughs> um, Mike, what about you? You got a moment of the week?
1: We so we we reformed the the Guardians of the Globe, Robots in Charge, and we got the montages and all that's fun, but Monster Girl, who I love from the comics, is here now. And she gets into a uh, fight hard with Rex, because Rex is a dickhead. And later, to to defuse things, because she makes a small dick joke to Rex, walking by to make the fighting stop, she says, sorry about the dick joke. I'm sure your junk is awesome. Uh, (laughs) In like the flattest (laughs) tone. And that really made me fucking laugh.
2: I do have to ask you, Mike. Jason Manzuki's is probably a future pot filter Hall of Famer.
1: Uh Uh-huh, as he should be.
2: I I I don't know how much longer I can deal with Rex, and I think that Manzukis' voice actually makes it worse. As much as I love him, the it's, two of them I, together are awful.
1: Manzuka should have probably been Doctor Seismic or somebody. He is not nobody. Nobody is believable as a teenager, but that smoked eighteen packs a day for fifty years type of voice he was just born with. I'm Definitely doesn't sound years like old. a nineteen year old. <laughs> If there was a Muppet bad guy, that's who Manzuka should have played.
0: Oh, yeah. It's what he was born for. Um, If you want to watch Invincible, it is on Fridays on Amazon Prime. Our next show is Pennyworth.
1: With less than 48 hours left, Alfred, Thomas, and Martha a plan to infiltrate Raven headquarters with Dave Boy and Lucius to steal Project Stormcloud with... If you're like me, don't remember. It's that super poison gas. That dis- that it's bad. It's, it's, it's a bad thing. Martha and Thomas decide to get married. After he comes face to face with his dad, who is alive and he didn't know he was alive, and is now working for the Raven Union. Taste Buds, I ask you this. What would you say to your long-lost dad you thought was dead and found out was working for new Nazis?
2: Uh, hey, what up, bro? <laughs> I don't, I, can you be mad? Do you go in screaming, or do you try to repair the relationship immediately?
1: Is it be, based on the false death or that you're working for new Nazis? I think you can go and screaming.
0: Yeah, I would still take it as like you can just be like, a, oh, what's up? You're still you're a piece of shit and then leave it at that. And then you just walk away and sever that one right there. Uh, that's a that's a for sure cut off line.
2: Do you know what the correct answer is is nothing. It's silence. And then you watch him go like, oh, uh, I, OK, uh, mm, I, I, I thought <laughs> I was. And then, you, yeah, just watch him suffer. Yeah, just just do a slow blink.
0: (laughs) Don't talk. (laughs) And walk away. Uh, If you want to watch Pennyworth, it is Sundays on Epics. Our next show is Supergirl. On the second episode of season six of Supergirl, Lex is on trial and Lena is hoping he will be locked away. But surprise, surprise, Lex is acquitted after claiming that he has been the target of spiteful women. While the trial is going on, Kara finds her dad in the Phantom Zone, which means that Zor-El did not die on Krypton, Krypton, and they are now working together to try to find a way out. Taste buds, I ask you, which other supposedly dead person do you think will, we will find chilling in the Phantom Zone?
2: Apparently
1: my dad. A <laughs> yeah, a lot of <laughs> long dad. so.
0: All of our dads, that's the way they go. Uh, these shows are answering that question for us. If you want to watch Super Gold, it's Sundays on the CW. <laughs> our next show it. is Winona Earp.
1: This week on Winona Earp, we start in media res exactly where last week left off. Mercedes is thrown gutshot into the cell with Jeremy Monsters and a very hungry vampiric doc. Waverly is a hot topic angel and she's out there being pretentious at everybody. Billy turns human and Cleo Clayton sets up Winona's death, but not the way we all thought she was going to. Taste buds ask you this Is there too much mythos shoved into this episode, or are we now glad there were so many goofy one off apps leading up to last week in here?
2: Uh, okay, so I. I like the amount of mythos shoved in here because when it comes to like uh angels and demons and hell and vampires and werewolves and like I'm not exaggerating. All of that shit was in here. Uh yeah. to to like hustle through it is not a problem for me. You know, to be like, he's a werewolf, but he's not. We did it. Like, especially <laughs> when the the series finale is coming up, I'm totally fine with that. I have issues with the the pathos, but the mythos mm-hmm. is I, I I think it's fine.
1: Tell me about the pathos,
2: Ryan. Uh, I did tease that a little bit, didn't I? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Um, So Waverly becoming an angel and then not, and Doc being a vampire and then not, uh, all of that stuff honestly felt organic to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. I could see it feeling rushed, but it didn't bother me. It's the fact that over the last couple of weeks, we've really hit hard, like how big of a problem uh why nona's alcoholism and her like self-destructionism and uh her like being dedicated to things she doesn't need to be uh mm-hmm. how much that's like ruining her life not just her life but the lives around her and right. then thanks to android from dark matter coming back we also really hit hard Waverly's damselitis and right. her uh like Whose fault is it that Winona puts herself in these positions? Is it Winona because she's self-destructive, or is it Waverly because she just sits on her fucking hands or wings and right. does nothing and then makes Winona do this? That's the stuff that I'm gonna need more episodes for because that stuff was just like, oh, we talked about it, so that's good, right? But yeah, we have of
1: that. That should have been sprinkled in throughout the whole show yeah if if not like and so by the time we're here, we're like, oh, it was always leading up to this argument instead of like, oh, you guys thought of that during quarantine
2: <laughs> and that's wh- that's why I thought for sure two weeks ago that Y was gonna die and that that's uh-huh. why I thought after last week way is gonna die is because that is a sort of resolution like resolving things is hard. death is the easiest way w- right for characters, not for real people. Uh, so that's what I thought they were gonna do. and the last scene of this episode I think was very telling. Either the season finale, which we're, you know is the main event next week, or the series finale, is going to have a lot of those pathos, or that this last scene was sort of indicative of how next week is going to be.
1: I think uh, my vibe is that they're like, well, we did it last week and this week. We're going to just do another goof, goofing wedding finale instead of dealing with the things. Uh I mean like, the, by, ne- they're all arguing about who their characters are, and then Nicole's just like, But can we talk about the wedding? That feels like the writers of the show. And I swear to
2: God, they all laughed and then it was freeze frame and then the theme from Full House came and it was like they
1: just high f- <laughs> <laughs> they're all going to high five. Paul DeWitt,
2: you look or whoever the producers of Full House were, like their names came on the screen. And yeah, it's it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a old fashioned sitcom, some things go wrong, but it's all mm-hmm. great in the end, wedding, which I can't wait for, except for the fact that we are leaving severely fucked up characters to yeah. be severely fucked up and just smiling it away.
1: This felt like the finale because uh Waverly is not Angelified and she's not going to back to Eden anymore because Hot took that on. So she now she has this weird neck tattoo and she's the guardian of the Ghost River Triangle instead of Waverly, because it's not Waverly. Hot gets to just stay human. Like there's a lot of this is where I'm like, if you just took three more minutes mm-hmm. in every episode, I would be less what? Right. Uh, And then on the other side of the the, the myth, the Clintons, I think, only showed up last season. And they are now been set up to be like the long rivals. And that could have also been teased from the beginning. Though I did like that they all turned into magpies, a beautiful bird uh, at the end, (laughs) uh, when Angel Waverly's just breaking all the rules and she's like, "Ah, you guys can just be birds instead of being in prison forever.
2: And we could sort of argue that by they didn't get to end their show, their show got canceled, so it's sort right. of like whoever was the last big bad will be the last big bad, you know, yeah, uh, and that's sort of fine, but I don't know if the Clantons ever hooked us, and so which, which there's there was too many of them, and because it always felt
1: rushed with them but the 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 last Clanton Cleo, I like her only because she gives me mercedes vibes at times, where like how did you you came from the small town? How do you have this kind of attitude is very funny, and then. When she set up Winona to die and is like driving out of Ghost River Triangle, she looks apologetic. Like, so it felt like they were trying to set up a, she was the Clanton there and she also never had a choice. It, they, they set up, I. Th- it feels like they set up more complicated things and then realized after episodes of doing it, they're like, oh fuck, this is way deeper than we meant it to be and right. didn't know what to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that they're sort of resting on their laurels of what they have done for gay TV. You know, like yeah. uh, that will always be, their achievement but like how how we're leaving these people in dealing with uh since the past uh family and mm-hmm. addiction i don't and i mean like why not is not just addicted to alcohol you know like you could do an episode on seven different things she's addicted to yeah that's where the show is going to leave us short otherwise super fun episode can't wait for the ending uh it's a it's a superhero show show all-timer
0: yes It's going to be sad to say goodbye to it. Uh, For this episode, though, do you guys got moments of the week? I'll start with you, Mike.
1: Uh, I have two. One is a perfect Winona Earp, both the character and the show kind of line, is she's talking to Billy, who is no longer Reapered. She says, is there any chance your bitchster didn't take my mentee as bait? Unless you're used to the show, you don't know that she's combining bitch and sister (laughs) into one show, into one word, and I fucking love it. And then at the end, the general of the Black Badge, just starts ordering Jeremy uh and this is after he threw him in with monsters his cackled and said he's going to die and J- Jeremy's face of like motherfucker you think anything and he Jeremy calls the other black Badges like yeah the general didn't didn't make it and the general's face then of realizing like Jeremy is setting him up to die like all that whole exchange uh was great
2: and yeah after Jeremy makes his call and orders a werewolf to eat that guy uh <laughs> he gets to do his version of the walk away from the car while it explodes like it's just slow motion like smirk on his face he did it
0: he did it uh ryan what about you moment of the week
2: uh yeah in order to make this stuff go down you have to like grab the hair of like the most important family member and then light it on fire and then like breathe oxygen (laughs) on it and it's just to put air on the hair's hair wait put air on the hair. Is that, that it's a complicated thing for this show to do, and I'm really proud of it. it it's God. air, hair, air. It's air. Oh, also, I think it was like a German mister. So it was hair, hairs, hair, air. Yeah. Are we learning that Ryan writes
0: the show? I think so. <laughs> I think this is him letting us know right before the finale. Uh, if you want to watch Finala Urbitz Fridays on Sci Fi, our next show is The Flash. This week's episode of The Flash focuses on Cisco and Chester in a time travel slash Groundhog Day episode where they get stuck on December 4th, 1998, which is the day before Chester's dad died. Because of this, the episode mainly focuses on providing backstory for Chester and building up his character. Somehow leaving the side plot for this episode being Barry finding the, the final force, the still force, which will potentially be the strongest force. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man.
1: Last Why didn't we luck. watch
2: this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> With the introduction of the still force, still force, do you think the Flash episodes will take a note from Snyder and start making 20% of their episodes slow-mo?
2: I do. I, I love how they took a note from the Spice Girls, because my favorite Spice Girl was always Still Spice, the one who just stood there and did nothing. <laughs> That's great. You
1: thought she was no longer Spice. She's still Spice. <laughs> she still-, still got it. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Spice was All Spice, yeah. which looked like all of them just cronenberg like Cronenberged together.
0: I know you guys are being witty, but it's obviously Baby Spice. Uh, if you want to watch the fly, <laughs> I cannot let this go. <laughs> simply cannot. Sorry,
1: Tuesdays on what?
0: Tuesdays on the CW. Thanks, Mike. Our final show of the week is Falcon and Winter Soldier. On the fourth episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Sam is trying to connect with Carly and get her to fight the fight without killing, and he almost gets through to her, but the unstable bad cap fucks everything up by rushing in and starting a fight. In a series of escalating events following, the Malage Warriors stop Stop by to grab Zemo and quickly beat the shit out of the boys. But most importantly, Bad Cap. Carly threatens Sam's sister and Bad Cap takes a super soldier soldier serum. Everything comes to a breaking point for Bad Cap during the second encounter with Carly where she kills Battlestar. He responds by essentially decapitating Carly's close friend and associate in the middle of town. Taste buds, I ask you... Last week, we briefly tried to figure out if Carly's on the right side of this fight or not, which this episode fec- focused on. So where do you fall on this now?
2: I actually think the best part of this episode is clarification of all sides. Because I, I think that we're at eight now. Is there eight sides? Yeah, it's an eight uh, eight-sided die. Uh, so all eight sides sort of clarifying what they want. My problem is that like a lot of them are not justified, and a lot of them feel like giant leaps from where they started. Um, right. But you know, I guess that's how villainy works. Marvel has sort of, I don't know, gotten in this zone of like, uh, did you hear that people thought that like Killmonger was actually more right than T'Challa? And so I think that they're trying to do that. This show is failing at that, but at least I, I have a, I'm more secure in where they're all coming from, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though I don't agree with it, and I do not have to. I do not have to agree right. with it. But yeah, I wanted to find
1: the sides for a second. We have uh, our pro tags the show's named after them. We have Bucky and Sam. Is on that, that two side. or one? I think that's their their sides are so close. Okay, I agree. That it's like uh semantic arguments between those. But I think it's they they have one angle view. Zema has a world view. Carly has a world view. Some of the other flag smashers have a different view than Carly. John and Battle No, John and Battlestar. Theirs are also slightly different. And then the Uh, Zemo and then Dora, the Dora Milaje, all of them do look at everything they're dealing with differently enough. That is, all of them end up just dealing with it fighting instead of debating because that's how TV works. But I do like, I liked this episode a lot more than last week's Mm -hmm. because of that.
2: Yeah, I think that you're right. I mean, like we got to see them at one point, I think... Maybe it was two scenes, but in one scene, all eight were in the same room, yeah. And Mm -hmm. it it felt a lot like uh, they were, uh, you know, like picked to live in a house and (laughs) start start talking (laughs) and start getting real. And yeah, and like that's how the arguments went: is that they were so like not circular in a boring way, but sort of like paper rock scissors. Everyone was like, "I agree, but I disagree with everyone." Mm -hmm. That it almost had no choice but to. I thought that the fight was like sort of rushed and maybe could have been avoided until you realize that, hey, we're not going to fucking agree on anything, so right. let's start throwing spears here.
1: And especially, its I don't think it's clear at first glance that he's a bigger dick, but uh, John and the Dora Milaje, their worldview is, they want different things, but it's pretty, they're the two views that always, and Carly, those are the three views that always escalate. Everybody else tries to talk until they can no longer talk, uh, and that's it's interesting because I think John Walker is a douchebag, and the DMS are fucking great. But every once in a while, I'm like, but they could have listened for a minute longer. They could have. <laughs> like, you know
2: what? Like, I think that you could break this. Like, you could break the violence down to the Dora Milaje's fault. But I think that the the shining difference is that the Dora Milaje have one like sort of uh, I don't know. They they all believe in this one thing, and it's very important to them, and they don't go against it. Where mm-hmm. I think this show, a lot like our main event this week, this show sort of goes on to prove once again that there is nothing more dangerous than a white dude who is not respected as much as he believes he should be. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That, that's the thing that will always you know, throw the match onto the tinder or be the unpredictable thing where like you never know how much they're going to elevate it until they just get the respect that they demand or des- that they think they deserve.
1: And especially, that we see, I love, why we've talked about this already, but I love, I love Wyatt Russell. I love this character. Every, I love no, to by hate
2: every him. week, we have to talk about it. <laughs> we have it, you know? to. He's an awesome guy and an awesome uh, actor.
1: But I love this character, because we what we see is, we found out he got the three medals of honor for apparently one day of Afghanistan. I don't know if that's how medals work, but he got three <laughs> for one event. Uh, and Hoskins is trying to be like, hey man, like... You are good enough. You are worth it. <laughs> like and like, we see him at his low point. Him being like, "No, we did fucked up stuff there. They gave me medals from the worst day of my life. Being captain, I want to do good for once." So you see the heart there. Him trying, but then the minute nobody gives him instant control of a room he starts to freak out so the very human like I fucked up before I'm trying to do better and the very human I'm a bit of a monster because I'm a white guy who has been at different times he's angry that he's a white guy who's been handed things and then is mad that people aren't handing this white guy things it's awesome
0: (laughs) yeah they have a lot of moments where, like, you know, this episode really showed where, like, he is unstable. Like, even from the beginning, when he's, like, mm-hmm. Sam's, like, give me ten minutes. They cut to him, and he's just, like, murmuring to himself. Like, you're, like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, they're, they really let you know, like, this dude is messed up in the head. He is not going to be okay at this. And uh, it comes to an end.
2: And I do have to wonder that if they sent... I mean, Bucky has issues. Yes. But if they sent Bucky in instead of Sam, if your typical John Walkers of the world would have been more okay with that mm-hmm. because at least a, a white guy is going to go in and do the things that I can't do right now.
1: I, I think the way they've set it up, I, I think we it's easy to extrapolate that the way John deals with the world and power, probably. But it is just, it's not him. It's somebody else because Sam points that his experiences are different and he is a trained therapist to talk to soldiers with PTSD and this is also why I like this episode. It reminds us that that's like the core of Sam, mm-hmm. is he he's a veteran who cares about other veterans' mental health, and a lot of the action so far has forgotten that. And I think this the, the the scenes between him and Carly I really dug, uh, but John is a shoot first, ask no questions ever, and I think that bugs him.
2: <laughs> and e- but like even if you want to like take away the fact that Sam is black of why John is so upset by him, the, the actual reason is that like uh, well Bucky has the serum. And mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do about that. But Sam is a true, like he's a he's a ca- very capable superhero without the serum. That almost makes him more mad than anything else.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and so with all this being black, could all, is probably tied in there, right? Because that's how intersectionality works and uh, white people work, unfortunately. But and it is when he get when John gets his ass kicked by the Dora Milaje, uh he is very pitiful. They're not even yeah. super soldiers. <laughs>
2: yeah. And and what is the other thing that he's saying?
1: They're black Are women. They're, women? <laughs> they're not yeah, they're not even men. Like you they're can not all, even white men.
2: They don't even have penises.
1: I uh so I realized this week I really like Battlestar. I think his character is interesting. I'm kinda of, I don't know if I could call him getting fridged, but Oh, I, he, I
2: came up with a word for it, Mike. What is it? Blackrifice.
1: He's the Blackrifice? Black Star was like Blackrificed
2: that. for the show. Or Battlestar, uh, sorry.
1: <laughs> but if he was a DC character, his name would be Black Star. Uh I like him. His one flaw is believing in John. Everything else, he is trying to pull the brakes. He thinks about it. He's a really good fighter. Every, like, John is complaining people have superpowers, and Battlestar just quietly gets out of his own, like, when he's tied up, he gets himself out of it. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, The thing that is also makes him more lovable and more sad as a figure, and I was a little surprised when he died. Yeah. Based on the, you know, the tropes of which characters die. But. Uh, I don't think that he's a sycophant. I don't think that he's mm. like a, a Trump right hand man who's just like, "Well, I just have to keep." I think he actually believes in the shield, in John Walker, in the medals. Yeah. Like he actually yes. believes that the medals that you earned make you better, and so he's not just like sucking dick and filling air. He's like, "I no, I like I believe in you." He believes in him, but was
1: also not afraid to push back because he's like, "I think Sam's right here." When he's like, no, listen to them. They Sam should go in. Like,
2: But that's also probably why John Walker was upset. Not that his friend died, but the only person who thought that I was capable is now gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then we do, like, I like that they brought in the super serum. Like, we all knew it would probably end up here, but, like, that it was, like, a casual moment. All of a sudden, he just, like, has these powers at, of course, the worst time, the worst moment of the <laughs> battle. And it, like, I can't believe the ending of this was shocking. Were you guys, like prepared for them to go that hard with it?
1: No, like you said, he de- t- he, mm, he decapitated the number two of the Flag Smashers while everybody had their phones out in that town square.
0: Yeah. The,
2: the title the- of the episode was The World Was Watching, so mm-hmm. maybe we could have predicted it. Uh, there's two things about this, the the bookends of this episode I want to talk to you guys about because do, can you compare them to a different scene in the history of the MCU? The end one being... Like it's it's mostly off screen, and we actually do get a bloody hand falling on steps, which is uh-huh. that Captain America's death comic book cover. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, so we have John Walker decapitate, which is something that's a little more like believably discussed instead of like shooting pink lasers at purple right. lasers. Like that's mm-hmm. violent. And then the other scene I want to talk to you guys about is uh, Ao breaking Bucky of his code oh, and yeah. Bucky losing it like just the flashback yeah just bawling in Wakanda because he is no longer controlled by those like seven words or whatever I have never I don't I can't remember a single thing in the MCU that is that like visceral emotional yeah emotional just like that like uh, most people in like somebody will die and Thor will be like oh that's a bummer and then like that'll (laughs) be it yeah
1: how yeah how that is like one, you're like, oh, this is why they cast Sebastian Stan, and also, you're making him a stoic, I say three words at a time, when he can do this, believably. I <laughs> deserve <Yeah>. this
2: scene!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was such a good episode. Um, do you guys have moments of the week, though? Ryan, let's start with you.
2: Uh, my moment of the week is the unbelievable ability for uh, Bucky and Sam to be like, all right, Zemo you have betrayed us three times per episode, every episode. But that's <laughs> that's it, right? Though, like, you promise you will not do it. You will only do what we say. And every time Zemo's like, yeah. Uh, my mother. other moment of the week is, because I watched a different episode than this one. This was an hour long. And the other episode that I thought we were supposed to watch is just footage of uh, Baron Zemo dancing in a club for an hour <laughs> that somebody created. <laughs> Are we not reviewing that this week? Or...
1: I, I, I Maybe we should review that one next week. Okay, so next
2: week... Uh, that we're going to do the Snyder cut of that four hours of Baron Zemo
1: dancing.
0: <laughs> Just all of his moves. Um, Mike, what about you? Moment of the week.
1: Uh, I had three, but we talked about the shield decapitation a lot. So I'll do too. Like I said, I love the conversations between Sam and Carly. And then he says at a certain point, uh, you're killing innocent people. And she says, they're not innocent. They're roadblocks in my way. And i would kill them again if I could. And then he looks at her and she goes, wait, that's not what I meant. Like, all of that is like, this is why Sam is great.
2: I could not yeah. tell if that was like the stupidest dialogue I've ever heard or why Sam is great. She was like, wait, shut up. You made me say that. You get out of here.
1: I think this is Sam is great because, and this is like why he bonded with Steve and Winter Soldiers. He gets powerful people and he gets that they don't listen to themselves sometimes. Like, and so he leaves that space for that. Like, I really do think Anthony Mackie puts the I've been a therapist and led room like there though like just letting her talk until she says something she realizes how far she's gone all mm-hmm. of that really worked for me and then my second moment of the week is uh the dormilage is is fighting zemo is fighting john walker and battlestar and sam and bucky just sitting there watching which is yeah <laughs> look at some of the best fighters in the world i would also just sit back and watch uh, and sam says we should do something so bucky just says looking strong john yeah.
2: <laughs> That's classic MCU humor. The other one that's yeah. classic MCU humor is, uh, don't listen to him. He's just going to do that thing where he tilts his head, and then Baron Zemo realizes he's doing it. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys hear the rumor of who the power broker is?
1: Uh, no. Is it Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross?
2: It's Mephisto. It's always uh, Mephisto. It's guys, always, guys <laughs> every everything rumor is going to be Mephisto.
1: <laughs> I heard one of Sam's nephews. It's Mephisto.
0: Mephisto. Uh, my moment of the week in that same scene is, uh, the Dormelager, uh, disarm Bucky, literally disarm <laughs> him. And they were just like, they were like, did you know that could happen? <laughs> and it, it was shocking. Cause that's how I felt. I was like, oh my God, they could just detach his arm. And then they really brought it home. They're like, did you know that could happen?
2: With well, yeah. the, the look on his face was full on like, uh,
0: what? yeah. <laughs> what? Um, you should be watching it. It's Fridays on Disney+. Plus. That was it for our poll list coming up next. We've been talking it. We've been hyping it up this whole time. You finally get to listen to Mike's interview with David Brody from, from Walkers and Talkers. That's right now.
1: Welcome to the crossover Crisis on Earth Z, the segment where we introduce you to other podcasts, artistry types doing cool things in the wide world of nerddom. Today's guest is David Brody, co-host of iHeartRadio's Walkers and Talkers, co-host of the Brooklyn Boys podcast, and uh, I think just does a lot of other things. So well, yeah,
3: well, I don't know if I might if I jump in here Please. a second, Michael. Uh, I, I pay the bills by being one of the executive producers on the nationally syndicated radio morning show, Elvis Duran and the Morning Show. So that's what allows me to do podcasts for fun.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, we all, all most of us, unless we're Mark Marin, have that uh, bill-paying job. Yeah. Let's dig in. We, we could talk about all your stuff, David, but so sure. when you're not executive producing, one of the things you do and how we got connected is Walkers and Talkers, where you and your co-host break down every episode of The Walking Dead. You do cast interviews. You do all kinds of Walking Dead news. What what got you in to that show?
3: Well, uh, I one of my many jobs, which I didn't list, is I work for a comedy prep service, That provides radio comedy, song parodies, jingles, spoof commercials to radio stations around the country. My comedy writing partner, his name is Spruce. He was a big fan of The Walking Dead. And I think they were into, season three had just started. And I watch a lot of television. Way too much. I have seven DVRs, if that gives you an indication. (laughs) All over the house. And he says to me one day, you got to watch The Walking Dead. It's fantastic. And I said, Spruce, I I watch too many television shows. My DVRs are full. I can't possibly add another show. And he said, just watch this scene on YouTube. I said, all right, show me one scene, but I got to get back to work. And you know, you, you just, you're just you creating a monster here. I can't watch any more television shows. It's like, you know, you have an eating problem and then people are offering you more food. That's right. the way it was. So he showed me the scene of Rick riding into town from episode one on the horse. And the, obviously the horse didn't make it. Spoiler, the horse is dead and uh, Glenn saving him and him being in the tank that whole scene and I just fell in love with the show it was instant yeah and I said okay now I have to watch it so I this is before it was streaming so this is oh god maybe eight years ago mm-hmm. right right roughly it's when been the on third season? Now. <laughs> yeah so I want to say I found I don't want to admit this I found a bootleg TV uh, hosting site that had spam warnings all over it you know don't click this and right. I, I watched the first two and a half seasons on this Jankety website, uh, and I caught up, and then I was able to you know start watching on my DVRs, and uh, I became obsessed with it, and I started watching YouTubers who broke down the episodes because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that about the comics. I didn't know that was a comic book reference. I must have missed that Easter egg. Right. And then I thought, geez, I I want to think about doing this someday. And because I I, I like to consider myself creative as a, as a writer, I came up with the name Walkers and Talkers. And I I really, to be honest with you, Mike, I started the podcast because I love the name of the podcast they came up with Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to lose it. Sure. So I started the podcast with a coworker and we did like three episodes and then she got bored and I kind of shelved it for a little while. And then I hooked up with Jamie, who works at Light FM in New York, uh, one of the biggest stations in New York who's down the hall, a good friend of mine. She was going to Comic-Cons and, and chiller thrillers and all kinds of conventions. I knew she was a Walking Dead fan, and I said, you know, instead of the person on my morning show, why don't you and I cross morning shows and do a podcast together? And that's that's how it started, I guess, four or five years ago now. And uh, nice. and it's really because my friend shoved a show on me that I <laughs> refused, to, refused to watch, and I ended up loving it. Now I'm obsessed.
1: I, I was interested, because I've been listening to your show, and you are... You and Jamie both are still very pro The Walking Dead, and uh, I am not. I was a big fan for. I lo- I think it's the best pilot that's ever been made. Uh, okay. And the first few seasons, uh, I loved. But like now, I check in on it every one or two two episodes a season when we do it for the show. But it, it feels just tired at this point. What's still keeping
3: you into the show? Well, I would say to you, the first five seasons were solid, mm-hmm. really good. Uh, season six was a mixed bag with the introduction of somebody named Negan. Right. I think, at least for the populace that watched the show, the Glenn Abraham season seven premiere was too brutal for the, the audience that thought Glenn was adorable and the mm-hmm. moral compass and they loved him with Maggie. They obviously didn't read the comics, although obviously the comics are different as far right. as who dies when. Um I think it was because of how brutally he died. Uh, spoiler, Glenn and Abraham are dead. Uh, that, By the way, that's a running gag on our podcast. Where yeah, I, you know.
1: <laughs> your years-old spoilers.
3: Yeah, right, the years-old spoilers. And then every once in a while, someone will go, you, you know we we know Glenn's dead. Yeah, that you obviously didn't listen from the beginning. <laughs> so I, I think that was too brutal, the eye popping out, like in the comics, and Maggie, I will find you. I mean, yeah. that was just... It was the callousness with the way he just turned and killed him, that and it was so graphic. Um, it's one thing in black and white in the comics, right? It's not a real person. You don't. It's you don't get as attached in the comics to actors, right? You don't hear the splatter <laughs> of the eye popping out, right? Right. This was brutal, and that and that hurt. But you ask me why I keep watching. I thought up until season seven, it was really good. Season seven was. Depressing, overbearing, and uncomfortable for too long.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, I think they wanted to show that living under Negan was terrible. Right. But as a viewer, there were no wins. They needed more w- little wins, little mm-hmm. victories. Like occasionally killing a bad guy that they didn't know they killed, taking over a gas station that had bad guys working in it, and bringing back supplies. There were really f- few wins. And it made it for a very depressing, downtrodden year. And then. You know, nobody could... It, they ha, Everyone had um, Stormtrooper aim. Yeah. Where, where you're 10 feet away from Negan and you're shooting an uh, automatic weapon at him and you don't hit him. It was stuff like that. It was lazy writing.
1: Right. Because he, he has big bad power. He has big bad shield on. Somebody can right.
3: <laughs> right. I don't mind if you keep the guy alive. I don't care if he, he narrowly escapes every week. But you have to write better and explain how he got away and don't just make it look like a man who was a police officer... He wasn't a farmer who's not trying to shoot a gun. I mean, I'm mean, i not implying farmers can't shoot guns, but this man was a sheriff. Right. He should be able to shoot a guy. <laughs> I guess I held out hope, but at that point, we started our walking, Walkers and Talkers podcast in the middle of season six, mm-hmm. and we enjoyed the podcast so much, and our listeners enjoyed our podcast so much that even though the show was slipping a little bit, we kept doing the podcast because we loved doing the podcast. For sure. We have, so it's not just a, you've heard it. It's not just a Walking Dead podcast. I try my best to make it funny and informative. And we have, we have conspiracy theories and I call bullshit on things when I think they don't make any sense. We try to have fun with it. And our listeners will go along and say, oh yeah, I call three quarters bullshit on that seven tenths bullshit on that scene. Um, And so we try to make it more than just. The TV show we happen to be talking about, we're having a fun conversation. And we'll veer off and talk about Star Wars or WandaVision and then get back on track. On the episode we recorded today, we spent 10 minutes talking about how Survivor used to have ugly people in season one. And then when the show became famous and successful, then they started hiring pretty people mm-hmm now, that's not the walking dead that's not science fiction but it was just we went off on a tangent and people seemed to enjoy that so i think the podcast is what kept our love for the show alive and then fear the walking dead came out mm-hmm. and there was more of a culture and we started getting access to the stars of the show which a lot of walking dead podcasts don't have right we've we've interviewed a lot of them they flew us out to california for the season wow i think the season eight premiere So we got to go on the red carpet interview people. So we've been very fortunate using our radio connections to get more connected to the Walking Dead universe than the average podcaster. And so that we've had fun with that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, we have them. We have them record fun IDs for us. So uh, the actress who plays Lori recorded. one that says, because uh, d- it was during the pandemic, I had to record this, and she said, hey, you listen to Walkers and Talkers uh, with David Brody and Jamie. Uh, now listen, stay safe out there. You should stay in the house if Carl Woody would still be alive today. There's something to that effect. Like, we we try to have them record fun things yeah. based on the show, and uh, it's it's been great, because they a lot of them co- have been coming to the studio. We get to meet them. Uh, I, I've become friendly with Chris Hardwick. We're uh, on my Instagram, at David Brody, with a Y. Uh, I have a picture of him lucille me with the uh, uh, replica Lucille back that AMC sent me. So it's been a lot of fun to use our radio connections to, to be that much more involved with everything. Totally. And truthfully, since Angela Kang took over the show, uh, it, it, it's it's there's a marked improvement in the writing and the visuals. I think Gimple got lazy, and I think the plots got weak, and I think as actors dropped off because they didn't want to pay them anymore mm-hmm. or they just wanted to move on to other things there was definitely a part where like what you're talking about where it wasn't the same and it got weak and the the whole negan um the whole negan thing lasted too long in my opinion if that if that answers your question
1: yeah no it, de- it definitely does and it, it's a good argument for why uh people should dive back in if they got sick of it and jumped off like we did
3: yeah, I think, I, think it's worth, I think it's worth watching. I think uh, if you can get past the war to get back in, yeah, absolutely.
1: David, we are coming to the end of our time, so it's, it's time for the speed round. Okay. Uh, before we dive into the speed round, we do have a question from the last guest, and the speed round ends with you creating a question for the next future mystery guest. This one's a little heavy. Uh, Jay Shearer, he's uh, the host of the Store Geeks podcast. He's an author, among other things. Uh, he wants to know, how has the last year changed you?
3: Wow, that's it's a heavy, that's a right? deep that's a deep question. I guess it's made me miss my coworkers more than I normally would. I haven't seen most of them in a year. Yesterday was a year that I was in studio on on my radio show. Mm-hmm. And if you go on vacation, you haven't seen people in a week or two. weeks. sometimes take two week vacations. Not seeing people for a year, I think you you appreciate your friendships more that were more casual friendships, right? When you don't see them at all, and I think you also. Um, really appreciate concerts and sporting events and restaurants even more than you did, right? Because you, you don't get to do them. Yeah, just so all the, I think, the
1: like, normal little things you kind of took for granted.
3: Right. I, I think it's made me more handy around the house. Totally. Because I'm less likely to hire people to come into the house. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought a Dremel this week and I, and I fixed a doorknob. I had to drill a doorknob off and uh, I fixed the toilet, and I, you know, I'm doing stuff rather than hiring people. I don't have a commute to work, so I'm definitely working more. So, yeah, th- those are some of the ways I've definitely been changed in the past year.
1: First, nerd thing you bought with your own money?
3: Wow, that's a great question. I would say X Men comic books. Love it. First fictional crush? Oh, Princess Leia. Classic. I was right at the age I should have <laughs> been. When when she was uh, a prisoner of Jabba the Hutt, so yeah. Current fiction. Oh, oh, let me. Can uh, I? Can I? Can I bring that back? I'm sorry. I know it's speed round. Um, there was an episode uh, of Star Trek. Uh, I think it was a Triskelion... Where he goes to a planet and has to do some kind of um, fight to the death with sticks with spikes on them. And he fights a woman with silver hair. Mm -hmm. And she has a giant chest in a silver dress. It looked like Jiffy Pop popcorn. (laughs) I would say she was my first pre-puberty crush and then Carrie Fisher. So, I'm sorry. I know your audience really cared about
1: that. Uh, No, they did. And it's important that childhood crush into the, no, now I am a man. It's Carrie Fisher.
3: There you go. What is
1: your, your current fictional crush?
3: Oh. I would say it just changed to the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the Scarlet Witch on the Halloween episode Uh huh. when she was in classic Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I'll go with that. Put, that, put me down for that but one. You
1: will put it in the books.
3: Yeah, put that in the books.
1: Which fictional character do you think you could make into a cake?
3: The Beast. The Beast. I like that. That'd be fun. He's covered in hair. I figured <laughs> blue icing. I'll just swirl it up. Give him some spikes on his head where his hair kind of flips up. Put like a That'd be the easiest because he's something for yeah. He's all he's all one color.
1: If you could change any TV show by making the lead character a baby, but the plot still stays the same,
3: what <laughs> character do you change? <laughs> wow, that's weird. Yeah, the, 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 some of these get weird. Uh, you know what? I, I, as far as I don't know if it's the lead character, I would make Negan a baby. Uh huh. And have people kneel down in front of him, and then have like a big bat, like Bam Bam from the Flintstones, <laughs> and just hit people with the bat. Where he annoyed them so much, they left the show. <laughs> I like. Like that. he cried, he cried all the time. And they're like, you know what? You don't have to kill me. I'm just walking into the woods. I'm gone.
1: Right. He becomes more of an Urkel type character then.
3: right. A little baby leather jacket.
1: <laughs> okay, that's yeah, adorable. definitely Negan. Have you ever named a pet after a superhero TV character?
3: No. Last thing you rewatched in your opinion lowered. All right, so a couple of things I can, but it's, it's speed round. Um, I know I mentioned them earlier. I'm going to say Superman and Superman Two because the special effects are so horrifically bad. Sure, <laughs> right? Like you watch Star Wars, which was 1977, and although it's not CGI, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. You watch Superman, which was 1978, the first one when the dam breaks. You can see the little plastic houses. It looks like a 1950s Godzilla movie. It's horrific when they're <laughs> flying. It's horrific how bad it looks when they're flying. So the plot was fine, yeah, but it it doesn't it doesn't hold up well. It's like watching a movie and they have flip phones uh, times a thousand. Right, <laughs> that's how bad it is. So i I find them that movie to be almost unwatchable now. Because it's so bad. It's like when you look at clothing and you go, how did I wear that clothing when I was younger? I look and I go, how did I think that was cool? And it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's in this weird in-between. Because when you go to like the old, uh, what is it? Like the the Toro Godzilla movies where those are so bad, it's good. Right. But this this wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, that's where, yeah. I I feel you. All right, so the the opposite. Last truly great thing you watched.
3: I have to make it a tie. Uh, I'm going to say The Mandalorian was so perfect, such a pleasure to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and WandaVision. Uh, growing up as an only child, I, I all I did was watch television, much like they made it appear like Wanda did. Right. And so I grew up on the sitcoms. No, I wasn't I wasn't a kid when they were new, but I grew up watching the Dick Van Dyke mm-hmm. Show on reruns, and I grew up watching, um, you know, that genre, that era. I love Lucy on reruns in the afternoons after school. I thought it was. I thought the show was a masterpiece.
1: Second to last question: favorite visual artist?
3: I do have. A, you know what? I have. I have. I have two artists that I would say I really enjoy their work. Uh, one is comic book, and one is science fiction, but not in a science fiction genre. So my favorite comic book artist is probably John Byrne. B y r n e. Um, he is the artist that worked with Chris Claremont, who created the New X Men, Right. and he drew the Dark Phoenix saga. He put the X-Men, he made them huge. Then he redid the Fantastic Four. He, he mostly wrote for Marvel, drew for Marvel. He's bounced around since, but he was my favorite, and I'm going with him. He still, to this day, in my opinion, draws the best Wolverine. And yeah. so I'm going with him. My other favorite artist, because I'm going with two, I'm breaking the rules, is Derek Riggs. Derek Riggs is the artist that draws um, the artwork for Iron Maiden covers, the uh, heavy metal band Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. Those covers are sick. He draws Eddie on all of the covers, and then he, has, he does uh, separate art for Eddie, and then he does, he does regular art on his own. He, I love him. So those are my favorite two.
1: Final speed round question, most important. I'm going to give you a few names, and you have to rank them by best baldness.
3: Okay, best baldness. Best okay.
1: baldness. Okay. We have Lex Luthor, Professor X, Nick Fury, Mr. Clean, and Vin Diesel.
3: Wow, Mr. Clean in the loop. Okay, I love the inclusion of Mr. Clean. Um, I don't like his earrings, so I'm taking him out. Okay. I think it, throw, it throws me off. throws off the balance of the baldness. <laughs> I've seen Lex Luthor with hair in some versions of his character. Like that red lion maned. Yeah, well, he had hair in, in the Superman movies. He was Gene Hackman. He had That's hair. That's right. Uh, so I have to say, he's not pure bald. Um, he's not a pure bald. Uh, he's not a pure, pure baldy. I'm I'm going to go with uh, Professor X because um his his power is brain related mm-hmm. and that and that oh, I always associate telekinesis with baldness and telepathy because of him you know he's bald and he's in a wheelchair I I got to give him something <laughs> he needs it he's he's had it. a rough life I'm going with Professor X love it and now
1: before we end uh do you have a question for the next guest
3: yes do you know who the next guest is no not yet Okay, if you had to give up one or the other permanently, you couldn't go back on your decision, would you give up science fiction movies or pornography movies?
1: <laughs> okay, I love this okay what is your answer
3: oh i would I would give up porn
1: that makes sense sci-fi is because then
3: popular. I'd have to read sci-fi books and I'd much rather uh I'd much rather watch the movies.
1: <laughs> okay, do you have anything to plug, and then I will let you go because I told yeah. you ten to fifteen minutes, and that was uh, forty five minutes ago.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry. You know what? I do an hour and a half podcast uh, twice a week, two different podcasts. Yeah, uh, I talk a lot. I'm sorry, I go off on tangents. No, I I, say, I follow
1: tangents. See, my co-hosts when they interview, they really keep it
3: short, and I'm like, I just want to talk to people. So, <laughs> okay, so if this is okay, then then good, then good. No, um, okay, great, so David. so to, so to to, to plug. Um, I'm on the Alvestrand Morning Show. Uh, I'm I'm more behind the scenes, so you won't hear me as much. But I do the, I do some of the prank phone calls, which we call phone taps, where I get to be comedic and and uh, really ruin people's day. <laughs> so that's available on iHeartRadio and and um, pretty much every platform. My main successful. Uh, podcast is the Brooklyn Boys podcast. We're two guys from the same neighborhood in Brooklyn. It's not about Brooklyn, but if you like what you heard now and my very opinionated uh, way of speaking, then you will love the things we talk about. It's really about current events, what happened in our lives, uh, but w- I do my best to make it funny, uh, as does my co-host, Skirry Jones, um, and that is, I would recommend, starting from episode zero, it's important you listen in order, and then uh, Walkers and Talkers, that's an ampersand uh, uh, in the middle. Also, all podcasts available everywhere you get your podcasts, but I work for iHeartRadio, they pay the bills, so my preference is you listen there.
1: Sure. David, Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you and great to meet you.
3: Likewise. This was great, and I I do enjoy your podcast. You have a new listener, and I'm thrilled you wanted to speak to us. So, uh, Thanks. Good luck. Continue with uh, your new episodes, and I'll come back anytime you want.
1: We'll have you back and try to get Jamie on soon as well.
3: Fantastic. Thanks, Michael.
0: All right. It's back to our show now. Great job on that interview, Mike. You did such a good job. I'm so proud of you.
1: You're rude. You're being yeah. so rude. Just give me <laughs> notes off air, man. Don't be condescending. It no, I thought, so... I
2: thought David did a lot with very little. Yeah. He There's really a 45-minute
1: version on our Patreon. And...
2: Mm, okay. <laughs>
0: all right, Mike, while you're talking about websites, can you tell me about all the other websites?
1: Go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter to hear the full uh, interview of that and where I'm allowed to talk a little more. By allowed, I edited it, so my control. (laughs) Fuck you guys. Uh, Also go to YourPopFilter.com. It's where we put out everything. Uh, yourpopfiltercom slash Amazon is how you shop at Amazon now if you want to help us at all. Those are the websites.
0: There you go. Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows?
2: Actually, Cassie, I'm going to do all of the ads for Mike's interview. Uh, I do not remember the show that he interviewed or their website. I do not remember the name of the person or what their podcast is. I do not know how you can find it. I do not know if they have any other shows.
0: That is Fair bad. Enough. Fair enough. But- no, can you know I what?
1: step in here? I feel like you're doing a very bad job
2: at that. <laughs> uh, do you oh, think you could do better than I just did?
1: I, I think if you want to follow them on social media, you should follow at David Brody or at walkers underscore talkers the name of the show is walkers and talkers wherever you get your podcast david does work for our iheart media so he says go check them out there i didn't even know they fucking had podcasts but uh he's also on the elvis durant show and uh at the brooklyn boys not at the brooklyn boys just the brooklyn boys is another podcast
2: wait he's on a podcast with the name brooklyn and the podcast with the word durant Is he big kevin durant of the brooklyn nets Fan, is that what the shows are about? Mortal enemies, actually. Mortal enemies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tune in to hear the guy.
1: I yeah, if you want to hear that, that's on the Patreon interview. I had to cut out a lot of expletives. Words I didn't know.
2: And Cassie, I I guess I'll fill in what Mike just missed, which our other shows are, of course, you're listening to the superhero show show. Uh please rate, review, and subscribe to that. Uh, also, if you want more of me and Mike, uh, download, rate, review, and subscribe to Movie of the Year, where we decide what is the single greatest movie of any given year. Right now, we're doing the year 2020, everyone's Ooh. favorite year. Actually, Don't we're not say it like
1: that. That's a weird way to say it.
2: We're not just judging movies; we're judging years. And right now, mm. 2020 is in the year bracket and best year it, of my life. Yeah, it's gonna win. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Unnatural Twenties, which Casey ho- uh, Cassie hosts only every third week. Mm-hmm. But I think it should be every fourth. That's <laughs> unnatural 20s. Subscribe. Is that you applying to be on there to show? Rate, review, and download.
0: Uh, we also got uh, social media at Your Pop Filter. Go ahead, reach out, follow us. Um, we're doing great work on, on social media. If you want that <laughs> content, they're providing it at Your Pop Filter. We also got an email, contact at Your Pop Filter. Let us know your opinions. If you want to judge our five-minute intros, go ahead and go for that. Contact at Your Pop Filter. Next week, we actually got a big episode. We're not torturing ourselves. It's going to be great. We're going to be talking about the season finale of Wynona Earp. And also season finale of Pennyworth. And finally, you guys, the return of X-Men, the animated series. We're coming back home to our love. Uh, So be sure to tune in for that. It's going to be a great episode. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone.